We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Clock ticking, down to 40 seconds. Heineke, looking, Heineke. They keep the play alive again. He flips it downfield, and McLaurin, the hometown kid, hauls it in at the one-yard line. What a grab. He ripped it away from Stephon Gilmore. A spectacular contested catch by Terry McLaurin. Uh, a catch that really people are talking about and will talk about for a while. Chris Cooley is with me doing the podcast in studio. Good morning to you. Good morning. Or actually, I, good I just afternoon. I saw the catch for the first time <laughs> 25 seconds ago. I just gave Cooley a crash course oh, in what happened amazing. in the game and then let him watch the fourth quarter, which you did. You watched the fourth you quarter. You didn't let me watch. You... Narrated, like, narrated, and coached me through we're the football game. Like you were talking to a nine-year-old. Like you got to wait, just so you understand. This is where we are in the game right now. Well, you but are you a little bit this. under. You're a little bit under the weather. You had I'm a, not under the weather. I'm hungover. <laughs> we'll say it's, three days. It's not the same four, thing. I've had but four I was, days of just drinking. It's yeah. a wedding. That was the best man. Day one was fun. We we spent it together on Thursday. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. You know, my friend Mike, who just got married, Yeah, he really, when he likes someone, he, he nicknames people when he likes them. Mm-hmm. He, he started calling you Shishi. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I like Mike a lot. Uh, Shishi. Good, good old Irishman. We, we had a blast on Thursday. We did. Golf, a lot of, you know. A lot of taking part in in golf uh, drinking activities during the round. And then we went to dinner afterwards after spending a few hours drinking beers after the round. You know what? Here's the best part about, for me, growing up, I'll I'll tell you every single moment of my weekend. It was, was, there was a lot of beverages and a lot of good times had. But I'm 40 now, and it's funny. You just, we golfed and we fished and we drank beers. That's it. That's pretty tame. Like my 23-year-old self would have said, let's do some other things. <laughs> what else would you have done at 23? I, I mean, I don't Gotten know. into trouble? No. I've never been in trouble. Right. I mean, it would, would have been a lot of golfing, a lot of drinking, and a lot of good times and laughs. A lot of broads, probably, worked into the weekend somewhere along the, the Who line. knows? Maybe. Certainly, from my standpoint, there would have been an attempt. They have these places 
that um, people dance and stuff. Yeah. Although, as you like know, a, kind this... Kind of like a ballet. It's not really a ballet. It's cultural. Um, but this city doesn't have a lot of those good places. We weren't looking for it. We weren't looking when for it. We, we weren't looking for it. We wanted to go. I wasn't interested in that at all. He's take Freeds. <laughs> yeah, watch what we watched the uh, we watched Baltimore the Tampa, Tampa game. Tampa game. Okay, let's get no, to this. No, I, I tried to watch some games yesterday. The wedding was, it's a weird time for, I love my buddy Mike, and it was an awesome wedding. What time did the wedding start? Five. Okay. Five o'clock on a Sunday is not a normal time for a wedding. No. But amazingly, when I, I knew I was going to do the podcast with you, or planned on being in here mm-hmm. with you. And when I heard the wedding was at five on Sunday, I thought, oh, this would be easy. I'll watch the game. It's just the game wasn't on at one o'clock like it normally is. That's right. It was so, at 425. I watched I, I I literally watched the game on condensed film. I didn't even know who won until you called me this morning. Right. I woke you up this morning with my call. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you were gonna make it into the studio after hearing your I know. voice. I've the more times than not I've heard from you. I didn't think you were gonna be here, do it, make it on time, whatever. I I and, am every time. And you were in Annapolis, and it was a, nearly a two-hour drive from Annapolis here to the studio. I'm not sure what was going on. You said there were hazards involved and a lot of wrong turns well, we, I, with, with a I group hitched, of people I that you didn't know who gave you a ride here. Yeah. And it was an Uber. No. So how did you get a ride? Did you really they just— were, they, were, they were friends from the wedding. Oh, okay. Going back to town. But you didn't know them until— Yeah, the I mean, I kn- they were. I, I knew who they were. Happy Halloween, by the way. Happy Halloween. What are you going to be? Uh, I'm going to try to be a golfer in about an hour and a half. How about the last drive? How about the last? That's a crazy game. Crazy game. It's hard because you don't get the real sense in the condensed film of of any of the motion in the game. That's what I was trying to narrate. Okay. See, that's that's what I was trying to coach. Because before you sat down to watch the fourth quarter, which is all you had time to do on condensed on the condensed replay, I wanted to give you kind of an idea of what had happened, what had happened in the first three quarters. So that, cause all you saw was a score of seven to six. And I punched it up right before Indianapolis was ready on that first and goal situation when they were down seven to six at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And it was explained to me, and I think this is fair to anybody who watched the game. They weren't very good and we weren't very good. That's right. But they made much. some big plays. They make, but they just couldn't plays. finish and they turned the ball over in the red zone twice. There's our game take. You ready to go play some golf? Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, okay. Heineke turns into magic in the pocket. He was really good in the pocket in the last score, in the fourth quarter. He was really good outside the pocket. The yeah, I mean, quarter. he was just really good with moving around with the ball in his hands. Right. Let's... Do you want to start with the Terry throw? Let's start with yeah. that, and, and then I'm going to get to my game okay. take, and then you can listen to the, the part that you don't know <laughs> Thank about. Thank you. And then you can comment okay. on the on the last drive. But tell me about what you thought thought about the Terry McLaurin thirty uh, three yard catch that got him down to the one yard line and set up the go ahead touchdown. Well, it's not a double move, as it was. Robert Smith, I think, was the uh, analyst. It, it was not a double move. Uh, no, yeah, it was off schedule. Who is Robert Smith? Remember, he was a running back. He's not for very many good. Years. It wasn't very good. I don't. I think the, it was Robert Smith. I could be wrong. It may not have been Robert Smith. Average. Yeah. So I don't know who was it's, calling. It's the Heineke trying to make a play in the pocket. And he does. And I think it goes back to some of the other plays that you saw him make in the pocket, including the flick to the back and a couple of the the one where he steps up, steps back, makes him. He just all of a sudden had a better feel. I mean, you could see all of a sudden he was just, he was in the zone a little bit. He had a great feel for where he was and for everyone around him and to be able to keep his eyes down the field. He saw, you can see he sees it the whole time. He just underthrows it. 
And his guy goes and makes a big-time play. There's a ton of balls you see. I'd much rather have a ball underthrown, though. You know what's worse on that one? If he airmails it out of the back of the end zone, you're like, oh, my God, he missed him. It's one-on-one. And Gilmore's beat. And it's not because he's beat because Terry it's not an amazing route. or It's off script. Terry hooks up. They don't have a chance. He does a really good job when quarterback rolls to you and you're shorter, you turn and you go deeper. If you're deeper, you turn and you come shorter. I mean, it's just a great off script play by Terry. And they're on the same page there. And and I don't have a problem with the throw. I, I, he, you, it's not perfect. But Heineke doesn't have this cannon. It's never been discussed that he has an incredibly strong arm or he's incredibly accurate. He can make some big-time throws. But that's, that's a Heineke play, and his guy went up and made a catch for him. I think it's really simple. I don't, I don't think there's anything more to it. He underthrew it a little bit. If it was an incompletion, you, he, would, he would say, and then he would, would go back and say, God, I wish I'd have put two more yards of air on that ball. Well, if it was intercepted, what would have – He's, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that there's a, there's a, it's you're a 50 50 right. chance, right? It's not 50 yeah. 50 for the interception, though, because Gilmore's turning and running. Okay. He's just trying to catch up to Terry. He, Gilmore never sees the ball. So, what's the 50? What would, what's the percentage of Terry catches it incomplete or interception? What's the well, pie it's, chart it's, there? First of all, it's Terry McLaurin. I know. So, that, 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 that it, increases it's also your Stephon Gilmore. That, yes. But Stephon Gilmore is not. He's not tracking a receiver in a normal route progression. Understood. So it's not – there's not like – he's really at that point. Give me the, like give me the, pie, give me the pie chart at, possibilities on that last throw. The, I think the interception re, is really low, 3 or 4%. I think the interception – Oh, come on. It's not 3 or 4%. Gilmore's not going to catch that ball. What do you mean? He had his – they fought for the ball together. It was almost he – he could have ripped I mean, it out of Terry's hands too. Okay. Let's say 60 Terry, 20, 20. 60 Terry, incomplete 20, interception 20. I think 60% Terry McLaurin gets that ball. I got no problem. Like, okay, here. This will be really easy. You showed me the play for the first time today. You could have showed the play and paused it with the ball in the air and given me this question. Uh, I could have done that. And that would have been a legitimate, like, tell me what happens here. What are your percentages? But I still would have been. I guarantee you, I'd lean more towards well, Terry McLaurin. If you, that's Cam Sims, you, I couldn't have done I'm that because you already knew I'm who giving, won the game at that point. Yeah, but I don't know that they didn't have a big play the next play. Yeah, you true. really know that I didn't see. But it. But if I paused it and asked you that time. question at that point, given that you knew what the final score was, you would have probably said ninety-five percent Terry catches it or a hundred percent. So you got sixty twenty twenty. I would get. I would say it was. 45, Terry catches it. No, 50, Terry catches it. 25, incomplete 25, Gilmore picks it off. Let me also just say, because it sounds like I'm leading towards what many of you think it was, which it was an ill-advised throw, a Mm -mm. poor throw, a late throw, a bad throw, and Mm -mm. a lucky result. Yeah, none of those Uh, things. Let me... You don't know what I was going to say. Why let not? me let me tell you what I was going to say. What are you going to say? I loved that he took a shot at Terry McLaurin in that spot. Loved it. First of all, there were 34 seconds left. Clock was running. They were at the 34-yard line. 40 seconds to go at the 34-yard line. They need a touchdown. You know, that's going to be harder, by the way, as the field gets more condensed. 
You've got Terry McLaurin one-on-one, even if it is off schedule, even if it is Gilmore. Look, he gave Terry a, la- a chance last week on that third and nine against Alexander. Like they're throwing the last two weeks against two good co- uh, cover corners. I absolutely loved it. I'm going to change. It. I'm going to change my opinion on the percentages here because I just did what we said to do. Yeah, and I just freeze framed it. Um, this is fifty fifty that Gilmore gets this ball. Okay, thank you. No, I mean, look, well, I went twenty five percent in completion because Gilmore might rip it out of his hands well, and it might fall to the ground. True. Yeah, but if you look at this ball in the air, Gilmore sees it. This he he's not happy with himself today. He's tracking it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he t- Terry just high pointed it from him. But I still will give you fifty percent right now that Terry McLaurin comes down with that ball. Yeah. I, Terry McLaurin. That's what I said. Fifty. I gave Gilmore less than fifty. I gave incompletion. Uh, uh, I as think much incompletion's as I now the lowest percentage. One of them's getting this ball. Well, but they he could wrestle it out of the hands and it could fall to the ground. That happens all the time. Could. Yeah. I think okay, one of them's catching this ball. Uh, 50, so the Terry. The top 10 receivers in the 50 league, top Terry, 15 receivers, and one of the t- top 50 Terry, 30 Gilmore, 20 in completion. That's, that's my final answer. I'll agree with that. And the number one I answer is? This, I got you. Terry. Terry McLaurin catches so, it. So this isn't yeah. ill-advised, and he's still sitting in the pocket because he's got all day. Like They, they protected him pretty well in this situation. He's dropping deeper in the pocket, and he just doesn't have the arm strength. This looks like all he's got. Like I did watch. Like here's a. This almost reminded me of. I did watch a little football yesterday, and and Tua Tungavailoa threw a ball to Tariq Hill where Hill was hitting the back. Tua runs like three crow hops to let this ball go. Yeah, and it it was like all he had to throw it forty yards. Well, he can throw it more than. 40 I know, yards. but it, it like yeah. I don't think Heineke can throw it sixty plus yards. No, I don't think he can either. I'd be interested what he could just sit and throw it. So but I just don't. I, I think this is a great. Uh, Terry's open. Yeah, when the ball leaves when the ball leaves his hand. Terry's wide the fuck open. Mm-hmm. So it's a great throw. He just missed the throw. My my o- my overarching my overarching theme on that play is that it was totally worth the shot. Totally, we're we're just watching. How the, weird is it that yeah the play just came on, on the, the two play, play just on came on right there yeah. Um, uh, so I, you know, I tweeted out after that final touchdown that Taylor Heineke really made magic on those final two drives after what we had seen for the first three plus quarters, and the pick, and <laughs> and there was a lot of you know, and and there last week at halftime, I think ninety five percent of you out there that that watched the game wanted Sam Howell in the second half. After the interception yesterday, probably 75% of you wanted Sam Howell to come into the game. And there is something about Taylor Heineke that I I think everybody has understood and liked. Like, you know, th- this isn't one of these black and white conversations. Like, I can't stand the conversation that starts with, no, 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 you're wrong. He is really good. No, 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 no. He sucks. You don't know what you're talking about. No. He is what he is. He's flawed. He's got limitations, which is why he was out of the league on a couch studying for, you know, math finals. 
when Scott Turner called him up when they needed a quarterback for the Carolina game in 2020. He is the reason that if Washington had said, you know, we don't want you back, there may have been a couple of teams that would have been interested in signing him as a backup is because he is limited and he's got flaws, but he's also got something that not everybody has. He's got moxie. <laughs> he is he's got he's a gamer. And this dude does not feel pressure. And he has Cooley, what I've mentioned before, because this is, you know, falling back on basketball analogies. And that is a, sh- a real shooter in hoops misses seven in a row, wide open, and the next one is always going in. A corner gets beat five times in a row, he's picking off the next ball. This dude just threw an interception. It never ever phased him. He played the best he had played all day over those final two drives. See, I think you're a little bit wrong. He does feel pressure, but he actually needs it. Okay. Well, well, here, I think of this, and I thought of this while I was watching this game, Mm -hmm. because you see him just flat. So my my boy is five. He was four last year. He wrestled. And he'll just go out. He loves it, but he'll just go out on the mat and if you don't do anything or he doesn't start losing, he just is out there just doing things. So I started this at the beginning of the year after I watched him kind of flat. I slap him on the back pretty hard before he goes out. It pisses him off. I mean, he hates it. Yeah. But then he's mad. Yeah. And it's like you got to have that. Heineke's almost, in a lot of ways, in a lot of the games that you've watched, it, he can be bad and then in a big moment, He's great. Yeah. He he's So would you recommend next week they intentionally have him throw an interception or two to start the game to get it out of the way? No, I think you just slap him on the back real hard right after warm. So you know how bad that hurts. This is the worst too when you get a hand in the back, like low back slap. Yeah. When you're a little sweaty. Ah <laughs> right. Just see him on fire. No, it, but here's the other thing about Heineke. Whatever you think he is right now, yeah. He's a shitload better than whatever anybody thought he was two years ago. Well, of course. I mean, you, yeah, he still, wasn't in the league two got, years ago. I, I understand that, but whatever you would have expected, he has exceeded any expectation that anybody in the world had of him. I am, um, but I think it's that's where he's at. I, I think ta- this game is him. Uh, two of my three boys, who are big sports fans, um, they argue all the time about Taylor Heineke. My my youngest son loves him. My my middle son, even even after he threw the ball to Terry McLaurin, goes, "He stinks. He just sucks." How did that happen? He just sucks. And and I'm like, no, no. Like, you can say there are 35 to 40 quarterbacks I'd rather have than Taylor Heineke in the league. That's fine. But he's also a winner. He's a winner. Like, he has, I know it's an old-fashioned term, you know, moxie. He's got heart. All the cliches. Uh-huh. Look, they... they he was 11 of 17 for 119 yards before the final two drives. Like last week, he wasn't very good for a big portion of the game. He went 12 for 14 for a buck 60 on those final two drives. Yeah. And he scrambled his way to 15 yards, if you count the sneak, 15 rushing yards. A couple of big scrambles. Drives that produced a field goal, a touchdown, and a win. Going into that, what did I tell you when I when I p- propped up, when I put it in, on in front of you, I said, at this particular moment, um, when they went up 16-7 to after the pick and the touchdown by Hines, 
At 15 I, to 7, you, 16, you, you at 15 to 7, you said if they make the extra point, the game's over. I in the moment yesterday when <laughs> like, he, I, like, I, you I was like, you better miss like, the extra point or the game is over. There's no chance they can score twice. Right. Um, but he's he uh, look, here's the other two, thing. two big time players at the, at the end, Heineke and then McLaurin, who is a bona fide star. The other guy is a bona fide gamer. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what? Yeah, I. I want to tell you real quickly because you're 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 stumbling to say something. I don't think you really had a thought there. I did. I, but I you lost, just lost it. it. Okay, so the play of the game is not the throw to Terry McLaurin. That's a g- great play. But you would have had another chance had it been incomplete, or if he decided to throw somewhere else. The play of the game is the fourth down at the beginning of that final drive. It's fourth and a long one after McKissick stumbles on third and two. It's a minute 35 left, the clock's running, and he drops back in the pocket collapses. He tries to step up. He tries to step up. They have a stunt on him and looping in. All of a sudden, fills the A gap, and he's like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. And he backs up. Carson Wentz is done at that point, and the game's over. I I regained my thought, which actually goes well to this. Okay, go ahead. Two two results in this game on two plays. That fourth and six is a sack. This. The 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 fourth and six is. is, Which. With Carson Wentz is. is, It was fourth and two. Or fourth and and long one. The the run was. That's probably a sack. Yeah. Well, he threw it to. Hold on, on, hold on, hold on. I want to make sure everybody's listening and clear. The play that I'm talking about is they're the down 16 the to 10. The play of the game. It's fourth and a long one, almost two, and he ends up throwing it after getting ducking out of there to Samuel. He didn't run. For yeah, that. that that play, the play of the game. Yes, that's Thanks. a sack. Of course, with Wentz. This play with Terry McLaurin is a hundred mile an hour bounce pass to two yards at McKissick with Carson Wentz. Wentz doesn't get his eyes up to see the down the field stuff. Or hasn't this year. I don't think Wentz, Wentz extends just, the play for no, that long in just, the pocket. He just wets the bed and throws the check down like a 100-mile-an-hour check down. Well, the game would have been over anyway if Wentz was in there because they wouldn't have made the fourth and long one earlier yeah, but the, the game was all, like The game was over three times with you, and it never was over. So we don't <laughs> know. really know if the game would have been <laughs> over way, or not. As but he was like, watching, like three times, as, you, as he was watching was, it, as he was watching it, I, I said, I, I, I thought the game was over. And, and you just said, yeah, but I know it's not over because you're letting me continue to watch this. And I, I go, yeah, but you're watching it for the first time. Just act like you don't and know you're like, what but happened. No, but you need to listen okay. to me. The game should have been over. The four, and I'm right. Th- that play <laughs> where he... I think the most impressive part of that play is there are quarterbacks that are really good at extending the play, you know, and and by the way, some of them are elite quarterbacks. I'm not put it. Trust me, I'm not about to say that he's Patrick Mahomes or he's Josh Allen or he's Justin Herbert or he's Aaron Rodgers or or Russell Wilson in his prime. No, but what he did is what those guys do when they're flushed and they extend. They don't panic. Like there was, there are a lot of quarterbacks there that would have run the football to try to make that yard, and they would have scrambled for it, and he would not have made it had he tried to run it. And his eyes never left downfield, and he threw the ball very calmly without panic. I think this is what he does best, Cooley. Number one is there are only two things he does well: he plays with great poise. Great poise with the game on the line. And number two, he's a high-level extender of plays with his, with his feet and his feel. You know, he's got great instincts. That play 
was the play of the game because clearly if they get stopped, I know they had three timeouts left, but it would have been a short field goal for 19-10 to 10 game over. That was the play of the game. Washington's a 3-5 and five football team if he doesn't make that play on fourth down. And even after he made it, they still had to go another 65, uh, 75 yards or you know, 70 yards. Really, um, I uh, so many people were like, you're an idiot for tweeting out that he was magic on the final two drives. I had, I had delusional, dumb, the, you're an idiot. Uh, look, I haven't all of a sudden fallen in love with him as the answer long term. That's not going to happen. There is honestly, I'm not even open minded to that. I, I'm pretty sure I know that you can't win a Super Bowl if Taylor Heineke starts 17 games for you. You can't be a legitimate contender. But it is fun to watch. And by the way, yesterday was not the first time. He did it last week on that third and nine throw to McLaurin to ice the game. He did it last year against Atlanta at the end of the game. He's come up at Tampa when they were up three and he needed to make some plays on that final drive. Now, he has shit the bed a few times from start to finish, but he's he's certainly not going to back off with like any sort of nervousness or fear. I think this is really, really easy. We're going to play golf today. Yeah. Y- you can't shoot a 72. Right. Y- you just can't. Right. I promise you won't. You don't have it in you. <laughs> right. You that's might true. shoot a 79. Mm, I don't think that's in me. I think 80 or 81 is in me. Well, on if where we're playing. in you, then 79's in you. Okay. But 82, you know what, you, you know what you can do today? What? what? You can par a birdie 17 and 18, especially if the game's on the line. I think that happened recently. You, you I did do birdie. That. I parred that's, hard. Yeah. That's good enough. If you did that all day, that's a you great, just that, don't that's, have that's a 72 a in you. That's a great analogy. And so many people don't get the analogy, and so many that are listening get it. Think about when you play golf and you're playing like in a match or for money. Just think, like, if you're like a mid-handicapper like me, I'm like a 13, you know, 12, 13, somewhere around there. Cooley's a single digit, and good God, does he crush the ball. You were crushing it the other day. Um but for me, when I'm playing in a, you know, in a match where, you know, it's like the, a net score wins the hole, all I got to do is win a couple of big holes with some pars. Mm-hmm. You know, and against somebody like you, sometimes they're par net birdies yeah. in, in big spots. I don't have to shoot 77 to beat you. I don't have to shoot 79. I don't even have to shoot 83 to win money off you. It's a great analogy. That's what and ta- it matters, Taylor Heineke but is. But you're is actually that. a little bit of a gamer. Sometimes and I when can it matters, be. Sometimes you I can, can make not the big like, shot. Not big like putt. him. Hole. He really has some of that in um, You know, so and when, what you tweeted, Heineke was magic. So I didn't watch the whole game, obviously. Yeah. I didn't see any of the first three quarters. We started with the Colts scoring. To make it? To make it 16-7. to seven. Well, no, I, I showed then, you the pick. I showed you the pick. I, I started with 9-7 to seven when they got the, the pick stop. pick was after. I, oh, yeah, the, you started with the field goal. and then started the pick. with the, the third pick was, and goal the pick stop. Was really, the pick was really goal. bad. The ball gets tipped on his hand, out of his hand on the pick. Yeah. I don't really know where he's going with it, and I don't like the route distribution, which I pointed out to you. I, I don't think it's there's an open receiver. Right. He's letting one go. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't get picked. But all I watched is the fourth quarter. And all I saw was a guy manipulate the pocket, step up, make big throws. He hit 
what Cam Sims on a on a deep end. He hit Terry McLaurin on a deep end. He had a couple nice little checkdown plays to Antonio Gibson, where Gibson turns it up the sideline. There was nothing that. How wasn't, about the flick? The flick coming out. Yeah, the McKissick. the movement around. There was nothing that wasn't. If you, so, I, I guess what I'm saying is because I didn't sit there and watch a guy play poorly for three quarters, I had no bias into how he was playing. He was really good. He was really good. He's going to be. He's really good in a in a net score situation, not a gross score situation. But like you, like you said, like all I got to do is like hit this shot. I mean, like all you really got to do in a lot of these, especially with like Indy, just get the ball into Gibson's hands. Just love, just distribute the ball. I love Gibson. Get, really get the do. ball to Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Get the ball out of your hands. They're four and four. They've won three games in a row. I we, know that. And we can sit here and we all understand they beat Chicago. And they scored six points, basically, against Chicago. They got the muffed punt. They were playing a Green Bay team that's super limited, and they won by two points. And yesterday they were down nine with, you know, less than ten to go, and they won the game. By the way, this this is crazy to me. Do you know yesterday's comeback win is the first time since the Monday Night Miracle in 2005 that this team has come from two scores down in the final five minutes of a game to win. It's crazy to me. Like, you know what that, that, that speaks to more than anything else? you got to have a quarterback. When you have great quarterbacks, those things, it's not like they happen all the time, but they happen more than once every 18 years. Right? Or 17 years. Yeah. And you got to have a quarterback. Here's the other thing with Heineke. He situationally is really good. He knew he had to throw the ball down the field to Terry. I mean, you've seen, and both of us love Kirk, and I think Kirk's changed a lot and developed a lot from his early days where he trusted the process quite a bit. And the problem is, is the process isn't the check down on four verts when you need like 70 yards and a touchdown in one minute. Heineke understands, I think in the moment that he throws the ball to Terry especially, this is about the only throw. I can't afford to check it over the middle. Burner last time out at the... 40-yard line when we need a touchdown. And we need seven. I push the ball down the field here. I got to take a shot. And I love that in a, I love that in a quarterback. Just know where you're at. Know where you're at in the game. These football guys, so many of these, so many guys now too, positionally, in it, it's like they just do the thing they're supposed to do. Do your job. I hate that. Heineke knows do your job isn't do. Like that doesn't get it done for me. Be great is your job. Be great. Be great on any play. And I think Heineke at least understands that. And he knows he's not going to shoot a 72, so he knows he's got to take a shot when he gets a shot. He's got big balls. That's what he's got more than anything else. The dude he does, is but It's getting weird how fearless. much we're talking about his balls. Well, this that's is like because, <laughs> that's because, <laughs> like, because hey, we, I understand what we, you're saying. We got a couple of point, calls you, in the middle, and we had to redo you, this you, part. You, you, you so yes, it. it's the second time I've I've talked about his balls. No, um, fourth, third, <laughs> third. Uh, you know what? He's a likable dude. Real, let he me is. just net out real Fun quickly. Four and four. Right now, they hold down a tie for the seventh spot in the NFC playoff picture. We're not even halfway done with the season, okay? There's a lot of football left, and it was just Chicago, Green Bay, and Indy. Indy against the third-string quarterback from two weeks ago, and they had seven points with 11 minutes to go in the game. Understood all of that. I don't think they're a good team. I don't think they're really headed towards anything, but let me just mention real quickly before I get to my game take and Cooley chimes in. I've watched a lot of Minnesota this year. 
they're totally beatable. They're not good on defense. Now, Zadarius Smith is good, um, but they you can move the football on them. I think it'll be the defense that's the easiest he has faced, Heineke, in the, uh, what will be his third start. All right, uh, we'll get to my game take. Cooley will chime in right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Pay attention, here's Kevin's Game Take. All right, my Game Take is brought to you by my good friends at MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. They'll match your first deposit halfway all the way up to 1000 Uh MyBookie's got Minnesota right now as a three-point favorite Sunday in Washington. It's a little bit short. I think the, I think the odds makers understand Washington defensively uh, is pretty good, and Minnesota defensively isn't very good. Uh, I think Washington's going to have more offensive success potentially Sunday against Minnesota than they did um, yesterday or even uh, last week. Uh, although last week, obviously, they dominated time of possession. Green Bay couldn't you know, stay on the field. Green Bay, by the way, 6 of 12 on third down against the Bills last night. They didn't win. It wasn't close, uh, but they couldn't make a third down against Washington's defense. All right, Cooley, let me get through – uh, my game take um, here. Uh, the things that I liked uh, list. I'm going to start with Heineke's mobility and moxie. Um, without it, I mean, he wouldn't be anywhere near an NFL roster. 
He just wouldn't be. Uh, I I thought that there were quicker decisions yesterday. You haven't seen some of the early portions of the game. They ran some of those, you know, three and four verts to clear it out for Gibson to come out of the backfield to catch what, for all intents and purposes, was like a run extension throw or a design check down. And Gibson in space is outstanding. I'll get to him in a moment. But his ability to create off-schedule, uh, you know, the the play of the game, the fourth and long one, the second and six on that drive where he has an easy, you know, a, a creation of time and then he runs for seven yards to move the sticks and obviously to create more time before the throw to, to, to Terry. That's what he does really well. I mean, that for me makes the final two drives, while nothing resembling the nine drives or eight drives that went before it, um, it's hard to give him anything but a B for the game because of what he did on those final two drives. You know, there were a couple of plays early that he had uh, good throws. I think he was quicker in his decision-making than he was last week. I also think that Scott Turner gets some credit for that. Sorry, I know most of you don't want to hear that, but I think they understood that it would be harder to run against that interior Buckner uh, in particular of the uh, of the Colts defense and with Shaq Leonard back. And they tried to get Gibson out, you know, a little bit on the uh, the fringes and out in space. And I thought they were creative with Samuel. But I thought overall, Heineke's mobility and moxie, number one on the list of things that I liked. Terry McLaurin was just flat out outstanding as he has been all year. You know, when we signed him, when Washington signed Terry McLaurin to the contract extension, there was so much conversation, Cooley, about what is he, where does he rank the whole thing. I don't know. I think there's still 10, you know, 8 to 10 guys in this era of great wide receivers that are probably better than Terry. But he's one of the the guys in the conversation of the top, you know, 15 receivers in the game. Let's put it really easy. He's an ex anywhere in the league. He's Anywhere. He's an ex. Anywhere in the league. Your your starting guy. But I th- I'll tell you what, when you line him up in the slot, when you line him up in the backfield, he yeah, can make plays. Many. I'm not saying that, yeah. but I'm, I'm just saying yes. he, he's a top – he's a one. Someone's in a – he is a one. The biggest play offensively for this team prior – to uh, the final drive was that 42-yard catch and run by McLaurin. He's so good after the catch. Antonio Gibson is on the things that I liked list. He got the start yesterday, if you really want to call it a start. But they you know, ran the ball with him a little bit, and then they threw it to him out of the backfield. Bottom line is, what I've been calling for, they decided to do yesterday. Gibson, uh, in the game, uh, had seven catches and had seven rushes, 14 touches. Brian Robinson, Jr., eight carries uh, and no catches. Uh, it was 22 snaps to 15, and McKissick played 22 snaps as well. I think Gibson is one of the best players on the team. That uh, the, the field goal drive at the end when he took the the pass out in the flat and and accelerated down the sideline. Now he t- his foot barely touched out of bounds. He is just flat out one of the most explosive players that they've had in a long time. Maybe the most explosive player until we see Dotson in the lineup. I love Gibson. I loved what they did with Samuel. This is the second straight game that you know Samuel's gotten a bunch of touches, lined up in the backfield, uh, lined, had a fly sweep, had a pit option pitch from Taylor, um, rushed it four times for 29 yards, had three catches for 50. Curtis Samuel was, was big uh, in the game. I think Washington's front four, even though Indy had some chunk plays, we'll get to that on the list of things that I didn't like, 
I just think John Allen and Deron Payne have been unbelievable. And I think Indy knew it. They Jonathan Taylor did get some runs. One of them he fumbled on on a big run into the red zone. Um, but Washington's front four is outstanding. The turnover margin, the two turnovers they got, even though I wouldn't really say Derek Force stuck his hand in there on the Taylor run, but Ailinger started to fumble that ball before he ever even got hit. But still, two takeaways, one giveaway, winning the turnover margin was huge because that was six points for Indy without those two turnovers minimum, maybe more. The red zone stop was massive. Tress Way was great again. He had a 65-yarder that totally flipped the field. And, Cooley, you watch this part because I made you watch this part of the game. The Colts, I thought, with a 16-7 lead and, you know, 11 minutes to go, 10 minutes to go, I don't think that they thought Washington could beat them, and I thought they got very conservative, especially on their offensive drive when uh, they challenged the Ailinger run, and it was short by about six inches, maybe less. I think they should have gone for it. I think they should have snuck him. It was, it's 99% from six inches on a sneak. They would have kept the ball. Maybe they wouldn't have run out the clock, but they would have made Washington burn all their timeouts. The two runs to John Taylor on that drive, I think that, that Reich thought there was no chance that Heineke could beat them. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't hate the two runs because you're a team that runs the ball. Frank Reich knows how to run the ball, and they're throwing the ball on third down. If you really think about that third down run from Ellinger, Ellinger? Ellinger, I think, is the proper pronunciation. You know what's funny is you want your quarterback to not take a hit, except when it's third and five and the game's on the line. He he takes a dive. Yeah, he went for it. No, no. He doesn't dive to get the first down. He's falling to protect himself. You just... Well, he didn't. You, he didn't John go into Elway a slide two you, yards you, you, before. You, at that point, you take the John Elway helicopter hit from the Super. I mean, you just go. Yeah, but it's the, to, the other point is, it in the last five to ten years, and I think it started with like Belichick, or teams playing against Tom Brady, and then McVay does it, and a lot of people do that. Fourth and one, you win the game right there. You don't play to not lose the game. You win the game right there. You go for it on fourth and inches. Quarterback sneak, man. Inches, yes. A full yard, no. I'm with you. Yeah. But that was that was probably now, now less that depends than six on the, inches. I think it also depends on the team you're playing. If you're playing Patrick Mahomes, you, uh, fourth and two, you probably go for it. You don't punt it and give it back to Mahomes and say, Washington had scored us. 10 points at that point. Yeah, no, I, I understand. Yeah. And by still, the way, they punted fourth... it down back, back to the 11-yard line. You know, they made him go 89 yards. Yeah. And so it was still advantage them, Washington needing a touchdown, but... They, I just think the inches is the difference. Fourth and one, I'm punting. Fourth and six inches or less, I'm probably going to go yeah, for it. Heineke there. on the other side in Washington's offense. Fourth and one, I'm punting. But inches and what it was, I'm going for it. Well, Heineke fourth and inches in the same position, I would have gone for it. No, I'm saying if you're playing against oh, yeah. Washington right. and it's Heineke. Yeah, maybe I'm, they'll think I'm, twice I'm, now in the future after he had that comeback. All right, let me get to the list of things I didn't like. Um, I thought the defense gave up too many chunk plays. You know, this was an issue at various uh, points early in the season. They gave up a 47-yard throw from Ailinger to, to, to Pierce. They gave up a 38-yard throw to Campbell, a 22-yarder to Hines. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had a 27-yard run. Paris Campbell had a 28-yard fly sweep. That's a lot of big plays. You know, the truth of the matter is, 
if, you know, uh, let's just say ultimately Washington doesn't prevail on that final drive, the difference in the game would have been the big plays allowed because there just weren't many big plays until you got to the second half. And when they turned Ehrlinger loose, he actually made some good deep throws. Uh, he also drew the PI before um, before they uh, before they they got the touchdown from Hines, uh, the wild goose PI. I, I, I that's why I think on that last drive they should have been more aggressive to try to go win the game on offense because they actually had been playing well. Um, I'm going to put pass protection again. I think this is now they played eight games. It's probably eight weeks that the pass protection hasn't been very good. Uh, I don't know where it'll rank this week. Uh, you know, Heineke was under pressure a lot. You know, was it as bad as we saw against Dallas or Philadelphia? No, they haven't played defenses as good as those two defenses in the last two weeks. But it's still not good enough. Uh, third down offensively, two for 12. Yeah, they were two for three on fourth down. That's awesome. Two for 12 on third down is one of the reasons they didn't have the play differential that they had last week or the time of possession advantage that they had last week. And one week. of them's a one-yard run to Robinson. And that... he gets stuffed. Well, he got it. but Oh, no, but he also got stuffed on another. Right, but on on another. Th- I mean, a third yeah. one should be – what's your third and one rate, Kev? Uh, 90%. It's got to be 95%. It's not that high, but – uh, should third be, and one should be over eighty. Should be over seventy. Let's oh, say. it's it's well over seventy. Third and one. I think. Uh, I don't. Know. I don't think so. Lastly, on the list of things I didn't like, I just did not like the end of the first half. Cooley. They were, and you didn't see it yet, but Washington took over with the ball in a seven to three game from their own twenty-two yard line with two and a half minutes to go. Netting it out, there just wasn't enough urgency. There just wasn't enough urgency to the drive when they finally made a a, a first down. Uh, to the 33-yard line on on a Robinson two-yard run on third and one. They still didn't call timeout. The clock rolled. They then started to go no huddle. They had three timeouts left. And ultimately, you know, you, you, on— There's 50 seconds left after the run before they snapped the ball. They again. ran four plays it's in not two a, minutes. This isn't a debate. I know. That's why I'm pointing the it second, out. He gets the first—the second you get that first down signal, boom. Timeout. timeout. Minutes 12 Easy. left. Yeah. Um, I just didn't like the end of the first half. And, and Ron said afterwards, he said that, you know, they got to be careful in that situation. They don't want to give the ball back. I understand well, that. Well, be- really just threw a pick. <laughs> I mean, it's dropped. Yeah, you, right. So I get it. But, but you, like with 30 seconds left, Andy dropped an easy pick. You just, you just, when you pick up that first down, you got to pick up the pace. You got to use a timeout. You got to then think, we're at the 33-yard line. There should be a minute 12 left. We got a chance to go down the field. By the way, a lot of the off-schedule stuff for him happens in these two-minute drills. Um, other observations I mean, from oh the game. Oh, my God, though. I'm watching this right now. Yeah. The third and one off script. Yeah. That's a nightmare. I know. <laughs> that's, just, that's points for Indy right there. I mean, really, if you, if you think about this third and one, Moore just drops it. Yeah, he did. Heineke's trying to make a play, trying to throw it to McKissick, and he throws it. Just dead over his head. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a terrible throw. But remember, that third and one should have been a play that happened with about a minute to go, and they would have, and they should have run the football. You still, and then called you, another but you timeout. You still had a timeout left. I know. Well, still, then run the football. Then get run the, first the football. Down, call them first and down, then you're, you're two the, completions away from field goal range. Philly, we know Andy's right. not touching the ball. All right, I, I have an obs. There are a couple of observations, real quickly. Um, Jamin Davis uh, was on the field for every defensive snap. It's because Cole Holcomb was out. I think Davis is getting better and I would better. Agree. Um, secondly, 
Uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, hurt his ankle and had that thing taped up. I don't know if that, you know, was a part uh, of of the issue with him uh, fumbling or whatever. I mean, they gave the ball to him still, you know, a bunch. Um, And then here is something for you, and it has nothing to do with the game. I want you to listen to me carefully. You don't need to watch this on video. Are you listening? Do I have your attention? Very carefully, I'm listening. Okay, at the end of the first half, after Washington misses on that third and one, Mm -hmm. okay, they punted it from their own 42-yard line. There are 20-something seconds left. Mm -hmm. Indy's plan is to take the ball and knee out the half. That's what they're going to do with Sam Ehlinger and three points and not much offense. The punt with Tressway is going to go inside the 20. Best case is they're going to get it at the 25-yard line if they let the ball go. If your plan isn't to go score at the end of the half, why do you field the punt? You should never, ever have your punt returner back there calling for a fair catch and fielding the punt at, by the way, the he fielded it at the 14-yard line when your plan is to take a knee on the next play. There's only a bad thing can happen. He, if he muffs that punt, you give up points before the half. This is something I've mentioned, and maybe you and I had this conversation a while back. I don't know why coaches who are planning to take a knee after a punt at the end of the first half put a punt returner back there or have the instruct the punt returner to fair catch it. That ball, even if it lands at the one, you just sneak it forward and run the clock out. That was their plan. They had no intention on trying to score. So anyway. It's actually a great point. You do one of two things. What? You try to return the punt with a punt return on, and in that moment, if you're doing that, you can say to your turner, if you're if the ball isn't if it's not defined that you have some space, just get away from it. The problem with that is it really shouldn't be that hard. And it isn't for a lot of guys. For some guys, having that extra decision is too much. So if you don't have a punt returner that you can do that, you just rush eleven and try to block the punt. I well, you fifteen yards then first down, now you're giving up a field goal if you rough the punter. So you gotta be careful on that. With the, with the field position, was it midfield? It's, okay, let me just assure you of this. Yes. I don't think I've ever been a part of a team that was concerned about a roughing penalty when you try to block a kick. You're just trying to block the kick. <laughs> you know how many guys nearly block kid kicks and it goes oh, right through their arms? I, like, Why no, aren't I, they taught to cross their arms when they go in to block the punt? I, when I was a kid playing tackle football, when you went in to block a kid – Kick, you cross your arms. I never see anybody isn't, do that in the NFL. Isn't it amazing how bad guys are when they get to the punter? It's amazing they, they, like, how many times I, they miss. I'm here, and now what do I do? Yeah. It is practiced. You do practice it. Not enough. Are you, you just taught take it, you to take it put, off his foot. Are you taught to cross your arms so not to create a middle where the ball can go through your arms? No. Why? It's a good question. I've never thought of it that way. But, no, you're, just, you're taught to take it off his foot. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. You're not going to dive. But, yeah, I mean, I'm doing it right now as we speak. It it could go through. Right. If you do that. I will not... say this, though. What? It would look funny if some dude running out there with his arms crossed. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, CYO football, you know, eighth and ninth grade. Okay, let me just, let me just yeah. run you through this scenario. It's about six years from now. Some dude leaves Maryland, gets in the league, becomes a great special teams player. We're sitting here watching the game. He crosses his arms. You think you got it from the podcast? And then he, they say, oh, man, how about that block punt? And he says, you know, it's the weirdest thing. I was listening to this guy, Kevin Sheehan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough. Um, 
I I also just wanted to, to mention this. The last th- uh, first of all, the extra point was nearly blocked. Speaking of block kicks at sixteen sixteen, Pittman nearly takes it to midfield on a drop. With and then on two seconds left, and then no, with twenty yeah twenty two seconds left when the when the Colts got the ball back, Pittman drops that ball. That's a perfect throw for Malinger. And it's right in his hands at the 45-yard line in stride. He might get to the sideline at the 50 and get the ball out of bounds. And if he gets tackled inbounds, they get a timeout with 15 seconds left. He just flat out dropped it. Um, they got uh, that, I don't you know I don't know what you do there. That's a perfect throw. And, and Ehlinger, uh created some some time off schedule. All right. Um, it's a good win for Washington. It really is. Pittman I mean, might, because they've got a season now. For Pittman a while. might. All he's got to do is beat the safety, and then he might take it. Pittman might house this thing. He, he, I know. I mean, he's got right when that ball hits his hand, he's three steps ahead of Wild Goose. So, and he's in stride on the run. Yeah, Wild Goose ain't catching him. Mm-mm. So the safety's got to make a tackle, but there's eight yards of separation there. One little whoop. One little this, oop doop. This might he, be. He might be. This running. might not be. We might not be talking yeah. about field goal or out of bounds. Right. All right. A uh, few more thoughts to finish up the show when we come back. Right after these words from a few of our sponsors. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. We do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Walker on first down, moving to his left. And now Walker fires downfield, looking for DJ Moore. Oh, the end makes a diving catch for a Panthers touchdown. Wow, 62 yards. Carolina has tied the game. An incredible ending to that Carolina Atlanta game. Uh, that was in the one o'clock window. Did you see, you didn't see the ending of that game, Cooley? No. DJ Moore's touchdown, 65 yards from PJ Walker. The Panthers were within an extra point away from being tied for first place in the NFC South, except that DJ Moore ripped his helmet off. Uh, got called for a 15 yard penalty. They missed the extra point. The game went to overtime. Their kicker also missed a 32 yard field goal in overtime. And then Atlanta kicked a field goal and won the game 37 to 34. Uh, and because of that now, the Falcons at 4-4 four and four are in first place in the NFC South. Tampa and New Orleans are 3-5. and five. couple of quick thoughts about the NFL Sunday. Number one, Derrick Henry um, became, uh, I think, just the third player in history to have um, uh, 200 yards six times. Adrian Peterson and O.J. Simpson are the other two. 
Uh, he rushed uh, for 219 yards in the game with Malik Willis starting a quarterback. Willis was 6 for 10 for 55 yards. He just gave the ball to Derrick Henry 32 times. I think Derrick Henry actually, and I was looking at his uh, his career numbers, he is headed to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I know that he's still only seven years into his career, um, but this dude is amassing just outrageous numbers. And by the way, I think he's back into, as he was two years ago, into a conversation for MVP. Now, it's probably not going to be him. Josh Allen's probably going to end up being the MVP this year. You know, Allen or Mahomes. It's become a quarterback award. But my God, is Derrick Henry good. The other thing that I was going to mention about yesterday's games is that Devontae Adams to the Raiders has not worked out at all. I mean, the Raiders, I know you've been a Derek Carr fan, and for whatever reason, I've never been on Derek Carr. And I'm not saying that he hasn't had his moments. He had a great year last year. Devontae Adams now on the season, um, and they've played seven games, has 38 receptions. So he is, you know, at, at for 500 in five touchdowns. It's not been a terrible year necessarily overall statistically. Yesterday in a 24 nothing shutout loss to New Orleans, one catch. So here's a I've watched a couple of the Raiders games. And you hear this, and you hear this with McDaniels. I think McDaniels is, is a terrible head coach. He must be. Like, I think he's a terrible head coach, but here's where it's also hard. This, this is the, the toughest offense to understand. The Patriots have always run, and McDaniels, and I think through Brady, they've always run a version of offense with a language that's different than 30 other NFL teams. So there's no carryover from West Coast or from a number system. The Patriots do something completely different. It's really, really hard, though, to go and install a brand-new offense with a quarterback and receiver who haven't played together and not just have some simple shit. Okay. Devontae Adams, the offense is, is, is tough. That's, and everybody that's played, I've talked to guys that have played in it, and it's like, yeah, it's just, it's its own. It's its own entity. But that is hard in the, in the league because I played what? Four coordinators? Yeah. And then Gruden and McVay were there. Essentially, they were – so Saunders had the number system, so that was different than West Coast. But all the concepts are – I mean, it's easy to understand. I could go to nine out of ten other teams and pretty much pick up a playbook on Monday and execute the offense by Sunday. That's just not what it's like in McDaniel's offense is what I've been told. So it makes sense to me. Um, I did have one more thought. Because you were talking about DJ Moore. Yeah. What an unbelievable play. It's OPI on DJ Moore. He pushes off. You think so? But Yeah, he does. They didn't call it. I have no problem with You it. just looked at it for he the fo- first time. Yeah, I just watched it. Okay. But I hate this penalty. Dude just caught <laughs> like a 70-yard bomb to tie the game. And he's celebrating with fans and with his team. He's not hazing. He's not taunting. It's not, it's not tomfoolery. He's hyped. It's not total shenanigans, he's, but he's hyped. You know the rule. You can't take your you can't take the helmet. I understand the rule. Change the rule then. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's a stupid rule. Okay. You know what's really getting called too much is this taunting thing. They've created they've they've tried to create a solution to a problem that did not exist. I, I can't stand the taunting. I saw at least a half dozen taunting calls yesterday that were not taunting. And they are harmful penalties harmful penalties 15 yards sometimes after you've gotten a team off on third down 
and a defender just, you know, mouths off at the receiver as he's backing away. I mean, enough of the you, taunting you know, penalties. You know, and the funny thing is, is we, oh, man, we don't want to teach our kids. It, that, it, that you're showing the taunting because you're calling the penalty. Yeah, you're actually highlighting it you, more. You're highlighting yeah. the taunting. And what, what else is amazing? Hmm. That's part of the game. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's game, that's a part of the game. Oh, come on. You make a great play on third down to, to, to get a stop, and you get up, and come on. Oh, no, I don't like the obnoxious taunting. Oh, I don't the, want him standing no, over and him. walking oh. over and the whole thing. Not or, that, or, but or the, the, the D-line tackles a running back like yeah. 11 yards downfield. and they, you know, yeah. Dude, you just, you just got 11 yards. No, but, I mean, just the, just the back and forth and some of the penalties that have been called where you're like, uh, he can talk a little shit. It's fine. I don't like the the crazy. I mean, make a play, get back to the huddle. Or you know what the worst new call is, and I think it was last year's new rule: the old coming up as a defender and going low to make a tackle on an offensive lineman that is leading a runner, and you get called for an illegal defensive block. Yeah, so you want a 185 pound DB to take on a 310 pound lineman? It's outrageous. Like, In the Denver game yesterday, uh, the, no, the, I would pull my guard. I would, I would. It would change how I ran the ball a little bit. I'd pull guards around the edge every time. That's what they're. That's what a lot of teams are doing. Like I'd go with that toss where your tackle, yeah. tight end blocks down, tackle pulls, and it's like, okay. Uh, your boy McCaffrey threw one, caught one, ran one. No, he's awesome. I'm just going to mention this boy, real quickly, and, like... and we're going to wrap it up because we are actually running late um, for our planned uh, golf outing. We'll be fine. We're going to be fine. I think that the Eagles are really good, and I think the Cowboys are really good. I do. I think the 49ers, healthy, are the best team in the NFC. And when we get to the postseason, that if they are healthy, that they're the team that will advance to the Super Bowl. We're at, we're at that midway part, point in the season. We're approaching it. I they're They're just – look, they made it last year, and now they have Christian McCaffrey – you know, and and a, and a healthy, they're getting healthier. You know, Bosa looked awesome yesterday. Fred Warner's so good on defense. I just think that in the NFC, it's much more wide open. I think we're destined to see Kansas City and Buffalo in the AFC Championship game, unless they're matched up in a divisional round game, and then maybe it's Cincinnati. You know, as long as Jamar Chase is back and healthy, because he's going to miss the next several games. It but, feels like old school Indy New England. What the Kansas like the City Buffalo? Kansas City Buffalo. Definitely, they're, they're better. Yeah, they're better than everybody else. I think Philly's really good. Don't get me wrong. And and you know they've got they've got a chance here. They got a chance to make a big run. They have the Texans this Thursday night. Then they play Washington at home on a Monday night, which is a quasi bye leading into that game. But Washington had the benefit, remember, of playing Philadelphia off a Monday night game. Uh, and then they've got the Colts, the Packers, the Titans at home, the Giants, the Bears. They got a game late in the season at Dallas. Philadelphia may take a an undefeated record into a, 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 a latter portion of the season situation. Um, they're good, but I think the 49ers, actually fully healthy, are the team out of the NFC that I would bet on right now. I, I, I can't take anybody else. I mean, the <clears throat> AFC South is terrible. We watched the Bucs. They're not good right now. Um, amazingly, the Seahawks are in first place with Geno Smith. Yeah, how about that? Kenneth Walker. Uh, I, I is going to be the, the offensive rookie. You know who's sneaky? Who? The Giants. They lost to Seattle. I understand that, yeah. but the Giants are sneaky good. They're six and two. Well, did you? Did that just occur to you? They no, lost. They were six you, and one would, before would yesterday. That, I understand that, but at six and one. Okay, here's an easy one. <laughs> um, they barely beat Jacksonville a week ago. You don't watch the Giants and say, "Wow, this is a good football team," but they are winning. Want me to give you a sneaky team to end the show? 
A sneaky Don't team, the New Orleans Saints. Okay. They, with Andy Dalton, uh, they shut out uh, the Vegas Raiders yesterday. They were in the smell test, by Vegas the way, catching terrible. the point of five. So the Saints are three and five. That division is terrible. They're sneaky because that because they're sneaky good and they're pretty damn good on defense. They're better with Dalton than they are with Winston. I believe that now. I was wrong about Winston, whatever. Maybe next year I'll predict Winston to have a breakout year again for the fifth year in a row. Um, and uh, and, the, and the Saints are, are I think, I think we'll end up winning that division. Okay, Cooley just got up and left the studio. I think that he uh, needs to use the restroom before we leave. We're done for the day. I'll be back tomorrow with Tommy.